Thanks for sharing. If anyone didn't know, today is Sunday. It's usually when we do gather together like this. So just If you don't know what day of the week is, just come and join. You'll know it's Sunday, right? <laughs> I love being back with this guy right here, just to jab around. So it's all good. Well, it is good to be back this morning, and we enjoyed your time away, but we also missed you guys a lot. Um, we have spent a couple days at the beach, a couple days in the mountains, not a couple days in the mountains, a couple weeks in the mountains, um, just on the homestead, as, as I like to kind of refer it to, where, where I grew up and, and all, and had really no agenda throughout that time. Just we'd wake up and say, you know, what are we doing today? I don't know. We could, we could go hiking, or we could go fishing, or we could just watch Family Feud, or just do nothing. So that's kind of what we did. We, we did go fishing. We did go hiking. We played disc golf. No, we didn't play disc golf in the mountains, but we played disc golf here. We played regular real golf, um, tennis. We sat in the hot tub. We watched movies inside and outside. Um, just had fun. And, and so it was good to kind of disconnect and, and relax along those ways. I do say that today was probably the first time in a month that we hadn't had a, a disagreement in my house on a Saturday night or Sunday morning about which church we're going to attend. My kids have always said each week, why can't we go to PIC? Why can't we go to PIC? Especially, I think, Nathan. Nathan has said, drop me off, or I'm going to call Mimi, and, and I know she's going, and so I'll just go with her. And we're like, okay, that's, that's fine. And so you know, that's kind of touched my heart in a lot of ways, that, that my kids, uh, my children love you guys. It's, it's not the building. It's, it's not PIC per se. It's, it's the family of PIC. They, they love the worship. They love, they like my teaching sometimes, you know, that's, they, they tell me that, dad, that was, that was good. And, and, you know, or sometimes they'll, they'll tell me, hey, I didn't quite understand this story. So, you know, honestly, it comes from kids. I love that. But uh, they love you guys and, and what, what you pour into them and, and vice versa, hopefully what they pour back into you as well. But, um, we're kind of glad that uh, we didn't have to have that argument this morning <laughs> along those ways. But, you know, speaking of churches, we, we did visit some different churches, um, three or four here in Greensboro and, and one in the mountains. And, um, you know, I've, I've noticed here in Greensboro there's a lot of good churches. At least the ones we attended were good churches. There were some smaller ones and, and some bigger ones. I um, feel like there's good worship, there's good teaching, there's friendly people. God's moving in different ways. There's strengths and weaknesses of churches. And, and what I realized, and, and I knew this already, but sometimes it's good to have different reminders, is that, that PIC is not inferior to, to any other church in a sense. And that's not to say anything arrogantly or boastfully, but you know, we have life-giving worship. We have meaningful worship. We have genuine, authentic worship. And I believe also, like, teaching is relevant. Um, I believe teaching, the Word is, is, um, is very life-giving. And you heard it this morning, different people getting up and, and talking and sharing and heard good things. So I know, heard good things about when you shared and Mark and, and Craig and, and Michael as well. Um, that all, you know, and not just that, but it, when others took over the service, not took over, but, but were leading the service, that there was good exhortation and stuff. And so there's a lot of life to be given here. There's a lot that God is doing here. And, you know, sometimes when, when you look at church sometimes, and you, and you, at least from my point of view, is there's a focus sometimes on maybe the, the things where we need to grow, the, the weaker areas and stuff like that, and not always value the strengths. 
And at PNC, there's both. There's definitely strengths. And there's areas where we need to grow. There's things that are in infancy stages. There's things that are in the pipeline to come over the next little while. And there's some things that probably we'll never have because that's not who God has called us to be. But, you know, over the last little while, you know, I've been been thinking um, a little bit about this. And then Joe happened to give me this book. Do we ever figure out what is I Will, right, by Tim Rayner? I think is what it's called. Um, and he's kind of hitting on some of the different things that are there within the church, the American church in particular. And I want to talk just a little bit this morning. I want to challenge us. I want to warn us and challenge us and encourage us just a little bit of what I've seen um, over the past month, but, but even beyond that, that um, it pervades our culture, but it's also pervading the church in some ways as a warning, but also as encouragement that God's doing some, some really cool things and then also challenge us along those lines as well. But the thing that I've noticed about our culture is we live in a culture of consumerism, to consume and consume and consume, that, that you see it most, most maybe prevalently with, with cell phones, that you know now Verizon or T-Mobile, all these places they have, you can switch your phone out after three months or two months or whatever, you can, you can buy a certain plan, and it's always, you can get the newest one. Sometimes we have cars that are two or three, four or five years old, and we say, oh, I need a new car because it doesn't have you know, the navigation system or the Bluetooth or, or this, this, and this. Or my house isn't big enough. There's, there's this idea that I've got to have more. I've got to have new. I've got to have bigger. I've got to have greater. And it's a consumeristic mentality, not just in America, but I think globally there is. But what happens in America is most things that happen within culture find their way into the church at some point, good and bad. And I believe that this consumerism has kind of pulled its way and worked its way into the church. To where many times... We, we've lost somewhat the focus of Christ. We've lost the focus of, of what is the main thing, and that is Christ, that's his word, and that's his mission. And what we begin to do sometimes is we pull out a little shopping list, and we begin to say, hey, this church has this good, this church doesn't have this. It's more program-focused, more what it, what it doesn't have versus what God has called it to be and, and what to do. And the consumerism, in a lot of ways, it's, it's creating a, a faith in, a, in America, in the American church, that's about getting what you want, getting what you need, versus the mission of Christ. When we became Christians, we became ambassadors of Christ. We became soldiers of Christ. And he's given us work, not work orders, but he's given us marching orders. He's given us a mission, and that mission is clear in some ways. The mission, probably top of the list, is to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. Second is to love our neighbors, ourselves. There's a great commission that's upon that, to go out and make disciples. It's not always, well, does the church have this that meets my needs? Does the church have this that meets this need and that need? Look, there needs to be some, some certain things, some non-negotiables, like good biblical teaching and, and worship and certain things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about some of the other things that are more maybe fluffy and, and not always necessary. Is it a hip church? Does it have lights and, and, and mirrors and, and all these different things? No, I'm not necessarily knocking that because it, that does reach a certain demographic. But sometimes we begin to focus on all of that versus upon Christ. And as we look throughout the Word, we see that a lot of the churches that, that Paul planted, you know, things were going well and then something began to happen within that church. Galatians, I, I was reading through Galatians through early uh, July, and it struck me just what Paul was saying as, we, as he comes into chapter 5 of Galatians. And he says, you were running well. But who prevented you from obeying the truth? 
Now he's talking, and throughout the Galatian book, I'm going to put this some in context here, that throughout what he's addressing is, hey, the Galatian church was on fire. They had this faith for the Lord. There was a passion and zeal for the mission. And then, and then false teaching and other teachings started to work their way into the church to where the law was becoming just as equal with Christ, if not more, for justification. If you're circumcised, you're justified. If you observe special days and months and years, you're going to be justified. If you, if you limit your diet and you follow some of the, the old law ways, then you will be justified. And Christ was taking second or third or fourth type priority. And people were striving and working. Paul says, who cut in on you? You were running so well. You had the mission and focus of Christ before you. You had and understood your marching orders. It didn't matter all about this other stuff, is that you were preaching Christ. You were discipling people. You were raising up church planters and sending them out. You were praying and interceding. But now you're so focused on this other stuff, where we sit, or, or, or have we done this, or have we done that? And Paul reminds the, the Galatians in chapter 3, starting in verse 26, he says, for you were all sons of God through faith in Christ. You were all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ. He reminds them it's faith in Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on the garment like Christ. There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ. He's saying that Christ has come to set free. The law divided in many ways, and it made, it made kind of you aware of what you didn't have, thus you could pursue God. And it still does that. The law is not necessarily bad. Christ came to fulfill it. But Christ has come, and he's granted us freedom. Through faith, we've been saved, not of our own works. And there's a mission that comes with that. Not a shopping list of saying, well, do they have this or do they have this? Is, is it a long service? Is, is it this or, or that? And so forth. Paul goes on into chapter 4, starting in verse 8. And he says, but in the past when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now since you know God or rather have been known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You observe special days, months, seasons, and years, and I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I mean, he's laying it out. Hey, you had this faith. You had this focus. But something's cut in. Something has, has worked its way in and taken your focus upon, off of the mission of Christ and has made it about the peripheral things, the works-based things. And the Galatians are more work-based, Paul fears, than faith-based. You know, I love a good fire. I don't know if anyone else likes a good fire or not, but you know, there's one. It's a little chilly in here this morning. A fire might be nice right now, right? Have a, have a fire pit. And, you know, I love, I don't know, I'm just maybe a little bit of a pyro inside. And um, I did set my grandfather's field on fire one time and got in big trouble for that. And some of the things I set on fire probably shouldn't have. Just being a kid, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I like it when you start a fire and it gets going, you throw on five or six logs and, and it begins, the flames begin to kind of shoot up and, and there's a lot of heat. 
There's a lot of light, and it's just, I don't know, it's just drawn to that in a lot of ways. And the word in many places, and, and we, we can get it indirectly as well, is that our faith, our passion for the Lord is to be like a fire. It's to burn passionately for the Lord, to, to emit light, to emit heat and, and, and warmth and so forth. But we also know that when a fire begins to not have as much of, of that wood upon it, what begins to happen is it begins to die down. And many times, that's the way our faith is. We're saved or, or we have a, a prayer answer, you know, where you know, God is delivered or, or God is, has, has brought financial blessing or, or something has happened and we're like, woohoo, man, God is so awesome and the flames are high. But everyday life has a lot of little things that kind of come in. This person says a comment and for some reason it offends us. Or this dream that, that we had, we, we don't see a lot of opportunity of stepping into it. We know it's God-given. We're saying, God, there's no resources for it. Or, or there's a bill that comes, or, or it's not the best report health-wise, or, or so many things begin to come in, and we begin to kind of step back just a little bit. At the corporate level, church level, we do it. And we begin sometimes to take our foot up off the gas and say, well, when the church gets this, or the church gets this, or the church begins to do this, then I'll be more all in. We also do it individually as well. Because we've prayed a prayer and, and it hasn't been answered yet. Samuel's word about timing and waiting hopefully is a great encouragement with that. Or we look at other people who are believers. We like to compare ourselves sometimes and say, well, God's blessed them and them, but why hasn't God blessed me? Or, or God's given them fulfillment of a promise, but I've been standing on this promise for years and we begin to kind of step back just a little bit, kind of cross our arms. We say, God, when you come through, then I'll begin to maybe take another step with you. But the first thing that happens is a challenge. We kind of sit back down. It happens at both levels. It happens church-wise that, that, you know, sometimes, especially in a, in a smaller church, we can begin to focus on what we don't have or, 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 or what, what's not happening versus the strengths and what God is doing and the mission and the calling. And we do it in our own lives sometimes. We say we're too small, we're too weak, we don't have enough strength or, or whatever, there's not enough opportunity. And we begin just to cross our arms and say, you know, God, when you prove yourself faithful, great is thy faithfulness, you know. God's love never fails. and He's wanting us to engage. You know, I have to be honest with you that, you know, over the, over the past couple of months, when you look around, you see certain friends leaving. Not, not for bad reasons. I mean, you got people now in Ohio that, that have said, hey, come and you can stay in our trailer with us as they build their house. Or don't you miss Valerie kind of raking us over the coals to get our Operation Christmas Child <laughs> stuff in? <laughs> These aren't bad things because God's, God's moving us, moving, and, and, and we know God's going to move people here and there. But I have a beef with God as God, you have kind of put that calling upon the church in some ways as people come in and get restored and, and God calls some of us. And there's a poor that, that's always going to be here. God, why aren't you refreshing like more and more people? You're sending out, but where, you know, and I, and I found myself just kind of like, okay, God, I've got a beef with you. And even at personal level, praying and, and, and seeing God not move in certain things, I've kind of taken my foot off the gas in some ways feeling like maybe it's time to throw in the towel. God, do you really answer prayer? And these are more feelings. These aren't necessarily what I believe, but I think we struggle with these sometimes. And, and it's out of control a lot of times too, and we really have to come and, and figure out, 
what lordship really looks like, and so forth. You know, Paul was rejected numerous times. It had been very easy for him to say, look, this is just not worth it. you imagine getting stoned and getting back up and going back into the city? That's what Paul did. And they're like, what are you doing here? We got to, I mean, I, can you imagine that conversation? I could see Paul coming back in like, where am I preaching? And they're like, no, 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 no. You've got to get out of the city because they're going to do it again. And am I having an argument? No, I want to preach the word. Because what I'm called, well, yeah, you can preach the word, but let's send you somewhere else. Or being beaten or being rejected and so forth. Jesus the same. He said, well, he's God and, and yeah, we can, he's also man. What about Ezekiel? God told him straight up front, look, you're going to be rejected. I'm sending you. Ezekiel 2. I'm going to send you to these people. It says this, I'm sending you to them who are stubborn children. You will say to them, Thus says the Lord, as for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know a prophet has been among you. You know, he prophesied, and God said, people aren't going to listen to you. How easy it would have been to say, well, here, I take this prophet mantle and give it to someone else, because it's just too difficult. I'm just one person. Or Isaiah, who had to walk around with nothing on to be obedient to the Lord. People were probably running left and right away from him. My point is this, to be a believer, to walk out the mission of God, it's not easy. Never has been promised to be easy. There's going to be good things that happen because God is good. We've heard some of it this morning, but you've also heard the challenge that is there as well. And God is still good in that. And he wants us to keep our foot upon the gas, trusting and believing. And there's days that are a lot easier than others. Again, that's why we need community. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. When we were in the mountains, um, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up about 10 minutes from Grandfather Mountain, which is the oldest mountain in the world, scientists say. I don't know how they get that because didn't God create everything on the same day? Um, maybe create it first in the day. But... Uh, so we, we spent time going to Grandfather Mountain, the famous swinging bridge. It's not so much swinging anymore because they replaced it and it's a little bit more stable these days. But um, there used to be this trail you could hike in, but they had to move it about 15, 20 years ago because of some species, rare species, plant species. They didn't want it being trampled on. So they had moved it, and they made this new trail called the Profile Trail. It's the Grandfather Mountain Profile Trail. So high school, my buddies and I were like, we're going to hike that one day. It's 3.1 miles in and another half mile to the highest peak of grandfather. And uh, college would drive by and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to hike that one day. And even when we go there in the mountains, I'll tell the kids, hey, one day we're going to hike that. It's just, you know, our time sometimes is so limited when we get there. We want to see family versus spending a day hiking. But I said, you know, we're going to do it this time. So we were in the mountains two days, and, and on a Monday, we went on Saturday. So on that Monday morning, I said, hey, let's go. So me and Josiah, Nathan, and Ella went. Now, this trail climbs 2,000 feet over 3.1 miles. So you start at 3,900, and you're at 5942 or 84, something in, in three miles. doesn't sound like a lot when you're talking about it, but when you're hiking it, it's a lot. Now, the first mile is not too bad. It's, it's pretty level. There's some ups and downs. You probably climb three or 400 feet in the process. You, you, we're thinking, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. Second mile gets a little bit steeper, you know, starts to have some switchbacks in it, and you're, you're kind of climbing up more. 
you get to mile three and, 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 and I pulled out my phone and I, and I started reading a little bit more. It's like, oh, the last mile is a thousand foot incline. <laughs> now, the first mile you're on a trail. Second mile, there's some roots and things. But the third mile, you're in an old riverbed, is what it looks like. And you're having to go over these boulders. This is not, this is not us, but this is the actual trail. That you begin to have to go over these boulders for over a mile. Now, Josiah and Nathan, they're, they're young, strong boys, and, and they really didn't have a problem. And, you know, I whoop them on the basketball court or, or different things like that. So I'm pretty, I'm fairly good shape myself. I mean, there's, I, was, I was glad Ella's with us because I could kind of walk with her. But Ella, <laughs> she's eight. And I'm thinking, what in the world are we thinking bringing her? Now, now she's a go-getter. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong on that. But if you look at her legs, it's not a lot of muscle. There's not a lot of anything but probably bone in those legs. <laughs> and, and, but she's tough, right? And, and, you know, I was thinking as we were climbing this, this last mile and a half over all these boulders and stuff, here's the smallest one. And she's just talking away. And that's a girl thing maybe versus the boy thing. But she's just talking away, da 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 And, I, you know, that's hard for me to answer because I'm trying to catch my breath. I mean, the... <laughs> The altitude's getting thinner as we go up and, and all as well. And, and she's just moving on. But she, every now and then she's like, Dad, how much longer? Dad, is it going to be like this for how much longer? Are we there yet? You know, those typical things. And, and I, I don't think she would. But I wonder if I had said, hey, guys, what if we just stop right here and turn around and go back? I don't think any of them would really have said that. Would you have said that, Josiah? Well, maybe, maybe I should have asked you beforehand. <laughs> it wasn't easy. Because we didn't have a lot of water. We, we did find a spring where we could drink some from. And um, but I was like, you know, here's Ella, an eight-year-old. Conventional wisdom, if I had known about the trail and read about it a little bit more beforehand, I wouldn't have taken her probably because I would say she's too small. She's not ready. And sometimes we look at ourselves as well. And we say, God, you've called me to what? God, you want to do what through me? And we say, I'm too small or I'm too weak. It's a Gideon complex that we have sometimes. And even as a church, sometimes we look around and we say, well, how can we make an impact because we don't have this and we don't have this and we don't have that? But we are making an impact as a church in amazing ways that we're making an impact. You know, I was telling someone about the block party that, that not we pulled off, but we hosted. And, and they were like, well, man, your church must be huge. And I'm like, no, we're not even 100 people. And it floored them that we would be able to do something like that. See, God wants to use the weak and the small and, and all these different things to advance his kingdom. And it's those who know what their orders are, the mission of God to go forth. And for each and every one of us, we have a calling. You have a calling and you know what it is. And I want to encourage you, as, as some of you are going back into the classroom or as we come off summer vacation and, and get more back into, the, into our work modes or things, it's God has called us in those places. Something he's called into the home, something he's called into whatever, to be reminded of what God has called you to do. God has spoken to you, maybe spoken to you recently, maybe, maybe it's been years ago or whatever. But to pull out those marching orders and begin to look at them again. To say, yes, God, I see that you've moved in these areas, but God, you're still faithful. To know what those purposes and those callings and, and such are. Why you get up in the morning and, and you go to work. It's not just necessarily to make a check, but it's to be used by God. Or why you do this or why you do that as you reach out to your neighbors or, or you disciple someone or whatever. But even as a church, 
I think it's a good time for us to say, look, there's a lot of things that we're doing good. You know, I didn't get texts, but I know sometimes Carrie and, and Suzanne text a little bit about Backyard Bible Club, and I'd get an update. And I'd be like, oh, man, God is doing some amazing things in Highland Park. This is Backyard Bible Club. My mother-in-law would come over, and she'd be telling Carrie, oh, church was really good today. And, I, and I'd be thinking, why am I needed anymore or not? <laughs> Kristen did this, or Mark did this. You know, I'm thinking, man, I don't need to be around. My point is that God wants to use us. doesn't matter if there's three of us or if there's a hundred of us or a thousand of us. We've got to understand what our mission is as a church. We know what our strengths are. There's certain things that we're doing. The churches are doing it, and that's fine. But we are kind of going against the stream, against the flow in some ways, the multi-ethnic component. There's also things that we've got to grow in. There's things that, that we have to, we, we know what weaknesses are, areas of growth opportunities are, and we've got to grow in those areas. It's only going to help us have a greater impact upon the community and upon the city, and, there's, and it's only going to knit people in more. Paul finishes Galatians, he says, so, so in, in chapter 6, so we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. We will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. It would be easy to look around and say, well, I don't have this in my life. I don't have, and this church doesn't have this, and this church doesn't have this. But look, let's not get tired in doing good. Therefore, as we have opportunity, verse 10, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Paul closes 2 Thessalonians in almost the same way. Brothers and sisters, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing what God's called us to do, what God's called you to do. I want to encourage us to stay focused on our mission. As summer kind of winds down a little bit, our mission as we go forward, especially into the fall. You know, one thing you've already heard me talk about is, is our focus needs to be on community. And I know Michael had a, 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 a Sunday where he talked about small groups, and I talked about small groups at, at the very end, our life groups. And, and, you know, I've heard different people talk about different things, and we know there's some, some apprehensions, and we know there's a, uh, a culture change that even has to come to our church in some ways because we, we haven't all been in life groups in the way that we need to over, over the past year or so. But our focus, I believe, one thing that we have to focus on is, is community this fall. And one thing is building those life groups, being part of those life groups. I've set a very lofty goal. You know, if you, if you read church uh, growth material or, or whatever, you know, small group stuff, they usually say if you've got 30 to 40 percent of your congregation in a, in a small group, you're doing pretty good. If you've got over 50, you're doing great. I want 100 percent. 100% for us moving forward into these small groups. It means some people will need to lead, some people will need to host. It means all of us will have to put aside time. Nine weeks is what it's going to end up being. Nine times. An hour to an hour and a half. And I don't want to cut on anything because I know there's, there's popular fun things like Pokemon Go that's going on and, and I downloaded it for an hour or two and just didn't feel like moving around. We are one of the Pokestops? Oh, we need to be. We need to be, right? That's an example. There's football coming up. There's Olympics going on right now. You know what I'm saying? There's things that will, that will distract us and vie for our time. And what I'm saying is nine times this fall to put it on our calendars and say, we will meet. I will make the effort. I will sacrifice 
that football game or that pizza or, or, or whatever needs to be done in order to be in community with someone. And there's a material that we're going to use called Multiply. Francis Chan and David Plate, um, you may know those names. Some of you um, have done, I know the Three Strands Bible Study uses it right now, and I know others have, but it's about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? It's, it's, there's a mobile app. You can go ahead and download the mobile app or, and, and begin to, to read through some of the things. And it's a discussion that we're going to have. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this over the next few weeks. But I want us to understand that there's a calling that we have as a church. There's a purpose that God has placed upon this church, just as much as he's placed on individuals. And I don't want us to come into this fall just kind of half-hearted or, or halfway, just our foot halfway on the gas, our arms crossed, because God hasn't answered a prayer individually, or because other things haven't happened at the corporate level, or whatever. But as I, Isaiah has said, and continues to say through me many times, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. That's our posture. Here I am, Lord. Let's go forward together, linking arm in arm and see what God does. Let's move forward where God has called you in the home place or the marketplace or whatever and see what God does. Amen? Well, Lord, we thank you so much this morning for all that you've done, all that you've shared through each and every person, through worship, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for PIC. I thank you for the ways that you've worked through us and the ways that you continue to work through us, Lord. Thank you for the heart that you've placed upon this body. Lord, use us as you send us out into the world. Lord, I pray just for a greater community to take place within this body. Lord, I pray that as we, we get into life groups this fall, that you will just melt our hearts together with your heart, with each other, that we will encourage, we will lift each other up, we will pray for each other. We will be challenged by your word. We'll be encouraged by your word, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our individual lives. Thank you for the callings that you've placed. Thank you for the wealth of talent and gift, gifts that are here within this body, Lord. Continue to use it for your glory and for your kingdom. Lord, encourage us each and every day, even when things are not going the way that we, we thought they would or expectations haven't been met. Lord, continue to encourage us. Help us not to cross our arms or sit down or take our foot upon the gas, but to go in a faith and a strength and a zeal and a passion, Lord, to know that we are overcomers, to know there will be boulders and, and, and maybe our legs are not big enough or strong enough or, or maybe we don't have enough whatever. Lord, but you strengthen us. You empower us to go forth and continue to climb. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Mark, can you call up? Yeah, I want to show you just a little encouragement. This is at the very end when we got to the very top and we're eating our peanut butter crackers because I didn't pack lunch, just crackers. <laughs> we're drinking our last sips of water. Man, kids, before we die, at least you saw something beautiful, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's the conquerors right there go back to that one the view maybe you don't I don't know the picture doesn't do it justice at all but when you're on top of a mountain almost 6,000 feet above sea level and you're looking off into the valley and for me you know I grew up in an area and I could I could pinpoint things and places and stuff and you can see Virginia a lot of those mountains in the background are Virginia it's just the beauty of God. 
but is that we were sitting on those rocks, savoring our few crackers and our few sips of water. It's like, we did it. We made it. But you know what happened to us on the way down? We got about a mile down off the boulders, and the skies opened up and poured. And we found a cave about half a mile on down and, and waited out about 20 minutes. But those mud trails, those, you know, Dirt trails became mud, mud riverbeds. We made it. I was the only one that slipped, but we made it back down. Look, there's always going to be challenge, but we'll make it. We continue to fight. As Paul said, who cut in on you? I don't want to hear that in my life. I don't want to hear that in your life. I don't want to hear it in the church. Who cut on you? But we're going forward, step by step, faith by faith. Amen? We're dismissed. I want our prayer ministers to come forward this morning. If you need prayer, they're here to pray with you. We are dismissed.